0: Now entering Nerdist.com. Today's episode was recorded at the ATX Television Festival in Austin. Uh, Season four, which was this year, first weekend in June 2015. We had so much fun at ATX this year. It was bigger and better than it ever was. I don't know why you're not coming next year. Go to ATXFestival.com and get your badge for next year. Don't Wait to find out who's going to be there, because if you wait to find out who's going to be there, you're going to miss an opportunity to get your badge. Go to ATXFestival.com.
1: Uh, senior writer at Entertainment Weekly. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, probably, my mother up there. Um, (laughs) uh, So, Orphan Black stars uh, Tatiana Maslany. Tatiana Maslany, and, uh, well, Tatiana (laughs) Maslany. The series has deftly mixed humor and pathos while tackling the moral and ethical issues of human cloning, as well as the personal stories of those affected by it. Now, of course... Tatiana and Ari Millen play a bulk of the roles on the series, but Orphan Black really would not be without its supporting cast, including one of my favorites, Christian Brune. Please welcome him down. Of hey, course, everybody. One of the uh, masterminds behind this brilliant TV series, Graham Manson. Yeah. You got the Joe seal of approval. That's pretty good, right there. <laughs> good morning. Hi. Hi. <laughs> hey, boss. Hey, all. Uh, so let's go back to the very beginning. In an era where a lot of TV shows are frequently adapted from books and films, Orphan Black arose as a wholly original idea. Where did that idea first come from?
2: Uh, um, myself and uh, John Fawcett, who couldn't be here this time. We were here together last year. I brought a bigger, better man. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know about better, but bigger, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we went to film school together so our first notes on orphan black are dated 2001 um and we were originally trying to envision it as a feature film we had been looking for something super like high concept and uh that was at the time we were into into movies like run lola run and uh, uh memento we love that like putting that putting yourself in the character's shoes and you that's what you see just that point of view where you're charging through a mystery with the main character um and uh and it first came because John when we were trying to figure out what to do we threw around ideas for ages and then John pitched me the opening scene of the whole series which was girl gets off a train looks across the tracks sees someone who looks just like her, and in that moment when their eyes meet, uh, the, the double kills herself. And that was, that was just the opening to the whole thing. I was like, what else you got? And John was like, I got nothing. That's your, <laughs> that's your job. And, uh, but that's what started the whole thing.
1: Now, what was it about Tatiana that you said, this is our girl?
2: Um, I mean, it was a super complex and time-consuming casting process. Um, you know, we wouldn't have got, it It was all cast dependent. So unless both networks and everybody and all the executives agreed that we had found the person who could pull this off, we weren't going to get it made. Luckily, um, you know, it was, it was, there was no question. I think there was, the, during that, that ridiculous audition process that took three days where we saw tons of, um... Tons of—I was going to say Sarahs—but they had to play. They had to play Cosima and Allison, and and do it on the spot in front of like, I think on the last day, I think there were 17 executives in that oh audition God. room. It was just a nightmare, an actor's worst nightmare.
0: Yeah, um, no pressure with 17 <laughs> executives in the room.
2: But it was. Uh, there was no question. It was unanimous that we had um, found uh, our girl, and that, uh, you know, I think that really gelled when uh, we did like. the Chemistry read to find a Felix as well, and when Tetiana and and Jordan were in that room, uh, they clicked, and they hadn't even spoken before they stepped into the audition room. Uh, they really they really clicked, and I, and I think finding those two characters at once was a was a real key. Um, and odd fact is that Evelyn Brochu was in that mix as well. Really, um, and. Uh, we loved her so much, we wrote her apart. <laughs>
0: That's
1: awesome. Wow. Now, Christian, I, I was
0: you... not in the mix for that role.
1: <laughs> I would have been really impressed. But how much did you actually know about Donnie when you auditioned for the role?
0: Nothing. I did. I knew nothing. Uh, they were filming... I think you guys were already filming episode two at the time, because I come in in episode three of season one, and uh, we didn't know what the show was. We didn't know what it was really fully about there's talk about clones and that it was high concept and and pretty wild but you know on paper the character reads pretty suburban you know just a schlubby husband to (laughs) to a soccer mom kind of thing and that's all I had to go on so you know I I I am not a suburbanite I'm a city boy uh, a downtown kind of guy Uh, I was like well I can't wear my glasses so let's put the contacts in let's dress as dad as I can, and uh, go from there.
1: Did you know from the beginning that Donnie was Allison's monitor?
0: No. I kept asking throughout the season, um, especially when I was getting tortured in the, <laughs> in the craft room of terror scene, and uh, <laughs> before we started shooting that scene, I, was, I, I went up to John and Graham, I'm like, guys, I, I have to know, because <laughs> I'm saying no, and I'm being tortured, but am I her monitor? And And Graham and John, they kind of looked at each other and they're like, um, we don't know. We just go with no. (laughs) Just go with no. You're not her monitor. And inside I was like, oh, I want to be her monitor. (laughs) But I'm like, okay, I've got nothing nothing else to play. I have no other information, which was the right move. I think they wanted to keep me in the dark um, so that I couldn't even play any hint of, you know, clandestine knowledge and so it comes across as he has no idea what's going on and that makes for a way more powerful scene so in 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 the tradition of the show we don't really get too much information ahead of the scripts when we read them and so it's it's great to be kind of left in the dark a little bit because that keeps the mystery on screen as well he's totally lying they hate it
1: Uh, so let's talk about the process of actually creating a new clone. Is it kind of, like, collaborative with Tatiana and Ari? What, what really comes first? Is it, you know, creating the new clone or discussing what new sort of characteristics that they can bring to this character?
2: Um, well, I mean, it starts in the writer's room, uh, you know, and we, we figure out that we, you know, that we need a new clone for story reasons, uh, and we know what sort of purpose the clone has to have, you know, plot wise, and maybe a general idea of who we think that might be, in, you know, in terms of um, how to differentiate, uh, you know, and, and make them distinct. Uh, and then we go to Tatiana and start discussing, you know, who this character is and um, give her, try and give her lots of time because she really puts the work into finding those characters um, and uh, uh, that's yeah so so then she brings a lot to the to the table after that, you know, like you know, for instance, Tony in season two was was uh i mean uh, I was just remembering i think it was I think it was the Tony episode we aired here last year yeah oh, wow. yeah. Um, So, I mean, I'm probably repeating myself one year later, but, uh, you know, that was a process where we gave um, Tat and her hair and makeup team a lot of lead time because they needed to find that character, and it was really uh, a real close character to
0: Tatiana's heart. So it was all very hush-hush, and uh, nobody... They keep it very hush-hush on on set as well because every once in a while I'll be in the makeup trailer... And uh, I'll be in Steven's chair and I'll see like a binder open and a picture of like, is that, is that a new clone? What is that? What is that? Like it's the news isn't out yet. Until and then he's like, the yeah, he slams it. He's like, you didn't see that. <laughs> I was like, I saw that. What is that? What is going on? What is? Yeah. And every once in a while you might see, you know, Sandy working on a new wig or something like that. And you're like, who's that for? What, what, what's going on? Is there more? What more? There's more? Yeah. <laughs>
1: who was who was the easiest clone to create, and who was the hardest?
2: Um, uh, at the you know, I think um, I think Allison might have been the easiest. We had a very clear idea of Allison. John had a very clear al- uh, idea of Allison. John's from like the suburbs of Calgary, so he knows exactly what he wanted in terms of the suburbs. And he loves to direct anything set in the suburbs, especially <laughs> in garages or half-finished basements. That's kind of his forte. Um, uh, and then, And then I would have to say that Tony was the most time-consuming that we worked on because we just, like I said, it was very close to us, our heart. And so that so that to continue that, with that little story, the, the Stephen and Sandy, the hair and makeup guys, they would like come on to set and they'd kind of grab me and John and say, Hey, why don't you just come out to the parking lot for a second? <laughs> <laughs> and we go out we'd go out to the parking lot and there would be Tony like leaning against one of the trucks, like with a pack of smokes rolled up in, in his in his shirt, Tajana just going, Hey, and then we'd like we'd we'd like do this thing and kind of walk around and she she'd just look at us and give us attitude and we'd be like okay a little a little less beard a little more a little more bangs I don't know um, that was so that was a really fun um, and cool process.
1: Well, speaking of new clones, we've got Crystal in this episode. Isn't she awesome? So good. I, I really actually love the dynamic between her and Felix. Even though he's totally gay, I'm still rooting for them. Yeah. <laughs> Are we... Uh, she's kind of in a little bit of a perilous situation right now. Are we going to see more of Crystal in the final two episodes?
2: Um, I think we can... You know, she's there... Well, you all know now that she's there in that bed, so... You know... Poor is, is Rachel's subterfuge going to be found out? Poor Crystal, indeed. Um... She's I I love Crystal. That that was a really fun one too. And that clone came from this character that Tat does on just in her spare time. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's just this this sort of character. I think it was based on a friend of hers. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> just a very funny sort of voice and persona that she would put on and. Uh, I kept going. I kind of like that, and so we just kept on. She kept on doing it more and more, and then uh, so that that the personality of that clone kind of developed last season, um, and then you know, or in the second season, then early on in the third, it was like, so what do you think about trotting her out?
1: <laughs> uh, I know it's the same actress every time, but Christian, who's your favorite clone to act opposite off of?
0: Helena, hands down, <laughs> Helena. That's just, that's my favorite stuff. I mean, I love Allison. She's my wife. You know, I, I love working with Allison, but um, Helena is such a trip. She's just so crazy and so wild and so weird and wonderful. And it's bizarre to work with Tat as Helena as well because, I, I mean, I work mostly with Allison. And so I see Allison all the time and I'm used to, and Allison is kind of close in, in just sound to Tatiana, so, like, off-camera, you know, she still sounds the same and whatnot. And then there's Helena, who's just, like, all wildness and Ukrainian and madness. And we would... Tat and I like to do improv before the scenes. But So as the camera gets rolling, we'll start, we'll start the scene early, and we'll just be firing things back and forth at each other. Um, and so we did that with Helena and Donnie in the soap-making scene. And we really learned a lot about each other, <laughs> about Donnie and Elena. <laughs> it was pre- pre- pretty shocking stuff. I'm, I'm, I was telling Graham, Graham hasn't seen all that stuff. So there's footage out there in the dailies of us just improv back and forth and us trying not to laugh our asses off. Because as soon as, you know, someone says action, you got to just get right into the scene. And we're just, we're just keeping it in, just keeping it in as we're doing these scenes because it's such a good pairing. It's my favorite pairing that that I've got to do so far because it's just so wacky, so weird.
1: I'm going to need to see those scenes on the DVD. (laughs) Yes. Um, Now, let's talk about the caster clones. At what point did you decide that Ari would actually be a clone? Uh,
2: That was... um, So that was in the... uh, You know, he was introduced in the premiere of the second season, correct? Yes. Um, Yeah, the diner season. Yeah, and... You, you know our plan was that was that um the mark character would would die in about episode six, and Paul was going to kill him. We had it all planned out, and then uh as we went along, John was like mm, he's a really good actor i don't think we can kill him he 's too interesting he's too interesting um and at the At the same time we were carrying on this debate, we knew we were going to um introduce. Uh, male line at the end of the season and as we got closer to the end we had, we had made the decision not to kill him quite yet and the, the big question was are we recasting are we finding a new guy can we pick someone out of our own cast because that will make us look smart
0: um, and uh, so Donnie!
1: Donnie! <laughs>
0: Nobody wants to see clones of Donnie that's too much sexy on one screen I mean yes. let's be honest Fair. <laughs> Uh, um, and so, I mean, it.
2: I don't know. At some point, there was a light bulb that went off, and we went, "Oh, that's what we can do." And we had to go sort of go back and sift through things and make sure that it made sense, um, and you know, come up with a few, a few uh, sort of workarounds. And but it did make sense, and um, you know, uh, like it was an awesome phone call to call Ari and say, "So." How'd you like to be a new clone? Uh, he was shocked and thrilled, and uh, and yeah, it's been a really great season with good him. Good choice. Really, yeah, it's been Very a great choice. Great addition.
1: Now, you guys have been a little bit light on the castor clone story in the recent episodes. Is that going to ramp up in the final two episodes of the season?
0: They keep killing them off. There's how many are left? That's a mystery. <laughs> um,
2: well, yeah, uh, you know, we are. Uh, We're we're off to England, as you can see, and uh, we're on the trail of their origins as well. So, um, I think it's fair to say that it's all going to come together, yes.
1: Now, despite... Paul, dearly departed Paul, destroying, I know.
0: RIP I BDP. Don't, don't make me cry.
1: <laughs> uh, despite him destroying all of that research on this defect uh, with the male clone that could actually be used as a weapon, um, it, should we still be worried?
0: I, I would be very worried. Yes. In the world of War from Black, always be worried.
1: <laughs> well, let's talk about the process of shooting scenes with multiple clones. Christian, run us through what it's like from your perspective on how to shoot that, I mean, and how time-consuming it can be. Or have you guys gotten it down to a science yet?
0: There is a science to it, for sure. Um, our visual effects team is top-notch. Jeff Scott, our supervisor uh, for visual effects, is is brilliant. And it's... you. We've gotten better at it. Now, I wasn't introduced to it until season two when I joined Clone Club in rehab with uh, Sarah and Allison. That was my first time seeing how it all works. But um, it is a process. It is impressive as hell to watch Tatiana work in that environment and uh, Catherine, her body double. They work as such a good team, seamless, and they just get better every year with every scene that they do with multiple clones. The way they think and line up their, their just their brain activity, they're like on the same level. It's, it's incredible to watch. So we know it's going to be a long day shooting a two-clone scene, certainly shooting a three-clone scene, but we've gotten better at it. We have what's called the Techno Dolly, which is a camera that runs on a track that follows the exact same track every time so that there's no deviation. A.K.A. the time vampire. The time vampire. Because it's prone to breaking down <laughs> a lot, and it can be tricky. And um, so everybody's very like ginger around it. We're just very careful and uh, it gets like, as soon as it's set, it gets roped off and taped off and they're like nobody touch the camera. Do not walk through the tracks of it. Do not even come close to it. And uh, we just go and and you see Catherine and Tatiana as they set up what they're going to be doing for the whole day for the scene. Tatiana has to do the same thing throughout the scene all day for the two clones. She she needs to know what the other clone is doing before she even starts on the clone that she's already in costume for and that we're shooting for. So Catherine now can practically read her mind and know what sort of mannerisms she's gonna wanna do as Allison if Catherine's in Allison's hair and makeup and and say, Tat is in Sarah's. So they're sort of working it out as they go along, but they know as soon as the camera rolls on the first take, they have to solidify what they're doing for the whole scene. So technically, it is one of the most intense and difficult acting jobs uh, I have ever witnessed on just a technical level. That doesn't even include the, the stellar acting that Tatiana has to pull out in the scenes and that she does successfully every time. Because the scenes can't be longer or shorter uh, when, you, when you run them. They, they have to run at the same pace for editing and for placement of the multiple tats so she has to move her hand at the right moment to grab an object it has to be the right height it can't be an inch too low and it has to be the same every single time and this could be like two minutes into the scene so they she has to pace the scene perfectly her and Catherine as they do the dialogue and the rest of us so that at that two minute mark her hand is going to be right here to grab the bottle or do whatever interaction that we love to always put in those scenes so it is incredibly difficult it is timed to the second, it, all the body movement is, it has to be exactly uh, right. And she does the scene with her body double. Then we take everybody else out. We have earpieces. She gets the lines from that earlier scene, and then she has to act with a tennis ball on a stick for eyeline. And because the Technodolly is capturing all of this in the exact same way every time, we have these plate shots, and she can watch, and we can watch on the live monitors. The old shot of her... And then, as she does the switchover, then we'll see the new shot with her new body, and she'll she'll run around the camera, take a look at that last take, and be like, oh, my hand is too high, and it comes too early. Okay, I have to remember when I get to that moment to have it lower, and blah, blah, blah. Runs back, action, nails it, and then, you know, like, she just has to get every single moment. It's absolutely insane. I don't know how she does it. I don't know how she has the energy to do it, and I don't think it's... I mean, Ari pulls it off, too. It's, it's a brilliant process, and to watch, watch them go through it, it's just, uh, I have nothing but mind-blown respect for the work that they do because it's, it's impressive as hell. Yeah, Ari got really good at it, too. Yeah. You know, and Tat really
2: was really generous with, with that. Um, last season, you know, we made sure that when, our, when we knew Ari was coming back as a clone, we made sure he, he hung out with us at the dance party so he could see that he could see that process happen.
1: Now, speaking of the dance party, that's arguably one of the best scenes on Orphan Black so far, but one scene did rival it this year. It was <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Donnie, Donnie twerking is amazing. Um, I'm never going to live that down. No, no. Um, now I have a tiny request.
2: Would you twerk he was, for He us? was signing light blue underpants last night, by the way.
0: For charity.
1: Yes. Will you twerk for us?
0: You guys want to see me twerk on a Sunday morning? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm wearing cowboy boots okay, I for do. Austin. I'd have, I've never twerked in cowboy boots before. Just
1: Just keep your pants on.
0: Yes, that I promise. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even have any music. Okay. Can we have a beat, please?
1: Wants to drop yeah. A key. There someone just. Go.
0: Oh man, this is. Oh okay. <laughs> this feels so. Dirty.
1: Make it rain. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. <laughs>
0: That's all I'm doing without music.
1: Give him a round of applause.
0: I feel That's like great. a dancing monkey.
1: Now, I'm going to open Terrible. up to uh, uh, fan questions in just a second, but I do have uh, one, one theory I want to float past you really quick. I kind of feel like Dr. Cody is actually the Lita original. Right? Right? Yeah. Uh, care to comment?
0: I know the answer. <laughs> M- me too. <laughs> the no end. comment.
1: <laughs> no comments. Hmm, that's That sounds like a yes, right? Okay, so who's got some questions? Right over here. So we've, done, we've talked about the craft room and the twerking. Can you talk a little bit about the evolution of Donnie and Alice's marriage <laughs> <laughs> from craft
0: room to becoming this queen that's kind of become the central comedic relief rooting for this cute, murderous, drug dealing couple that <laughs> 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 it's, it's an actor's dream, this role, and... Uh, when I first got the part, I mean, my, my agent told me, okay, you booked the role. It's, we don't know if it's going to be three days or six days. You know, we didn't know anything about the show. We didn't know where the show was going to go or how it was going to blow up like this. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm good for anything. You know, I'm just playing, you know, this, this schlubby suburban dad. Um, and then as the season unfolds, it just gets wilder and wilder. And they have no problem throwing me into the comedic situations, but they also have no qualms about throwing me into dramatic situations as well. And so much of television can be repetitive, and, uh, and I think a lot of writers and producers are, are scared to keep going places. They, they don't want to upset the audience. They just want to repeat and do things over and over again because that's what the audience likes. But the modern audience is way smarter than that and demands now way sharper storytelling. And the writers on this show constantly grow us, which is like such a dream as an actor. So not only are they exploring, and they do such a good job of it in this season, they explore all the Lita clones more, and they expand into the lives of them, but now they also have to explore all the caster clones. That's a ton of main characters, but then we have all these auxiliary characters like Donnie, like Paul, like Scott, who's killing it, And, uh, and they're exploring all of us as well. Scott got his own apartment. The ultimate nerd layer. How cool is that? The That, ultimate was, that was a really fun phone call, too. Yeah, totally. Hey, Josh, you get your own s- set. He was, <laughs> yeah. he was and fired up. And a cat, that gorgeous, beautiful cat. Uh, thank God Rudy didn't kill that cat. It, it, Never that, killed a cat. That, that, that cat was was
2: 100% Chris Roberts, who was, uh, co-wrote the was episode really? with me. Oh, yeah, because he's a cat guy. He's like, he's like the biggest softy when it comes to pets. Can we get a dog in the Hendrix household? I'm yeah. a dog person. Yeah, he wasn't Chris yeah. Chris would get so serious when we were joking in the room about what is Rudy actually going to kill the cat? Chris was like, "You want me
0: to walk? I'll walk right now. Don't even <laughs> Don't even say it." But I mean, this is a testament to how bold the writers are. Like they they're not afraid to explore new options as the season rolls, which is incredibly scary to do on such a fast-paced thriller of a show. And there's, they'll, they'll have a plot outline before we go into the season, but then, you know, like with Ari, they're like, we can't kill this guy off. We need to make him an integral part of next season, and they'll make that change. And that's what's so exciting about this show is that the writers are bold and the producers trust us, and the actors, we are game for everything because it's such an exciting show to work on. There's never a dull moment, and... You somehow just have such a good team of people that we all get along. There's no drama. We all love working with each other. We were sad as hell when when Dylan uh, died. Like it was like, you know, it was really upset. It was really upsetting. It was like losing a member of the family. And I, I even like choke up just thinking about it. And uh, it's, you know. o- it's okay. He landed a part on Heroes, and he's in Toronto. We can all hang yeah, out right. still. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of possibly losing people, I'm I'm a little worried about Kasima, Everyone else. Yes, we are worried. You did the 11th hour save last season. Are, so this season, as you're going into the finale, like, has there been possible consideration of of upping the stakes and actually killing one of these clones?
2: Well, n- no one is safe. Oh, man. No one is safe.
0: <laughs> did Jason really punch me that hard? <laughs> did Jage kill Donnie? Tune in next week. Um, but, uh, you know... There's,
2: you know, there's, there's hope for Kasima. Kasima, they, you know, you know, it's she had this this health rebound this season because of the stem cell um, therapy from from Kira, uh, and you know, Delphine wants to save her. So, and and I love Kasima a lot, um, but she's still not safe.
1: Any other fan questions? Yes, right here.
0: <laughs> well, for me, every season, I mean, there's always, like, the favorite scene that I get to do, and they always give me a crazy episode every season, and, and every year, I'm like, there's no way you're going to top last year, and it's almost like a challenge for me, like, come on, see what, let me see what you got, and they do every year, so I loved... There's so much that I, I love the role so much. Like, the craft room in terror will always be special to me. And shooting Dr. Leakey, the whole rehab scene, and then burying the body, that episode 9 of season 2. That, that was one of my favorites. And they were so cool to us, uh, because basically that scene of us trying to bury the body, it's just a paragraph telling us, telling us what, what is going on. There's no dialogue or anything like that. And TJ Scott, the director of that episode, was like, okay, I'm just going to set up the camera here, and then another camera here. Uh, there's your body, you're mic'd, just uh, get it wrapped and bury it. And like, for the most part, we just improv our way through it. And you don't get that kind of trust on other shows to do that. And it's really cool that you guys let us improv our way th- through things like that. That's a huge respect thing that that they give us. And that makes me love the show and love the writers and producers all the more, is the fact that they trust the actors so much to be able to improv through dialogue in a scene. And and come up with some funny stuff. So that, that scene is pretty special to me. That whole garage scene. That was a couple days of just dirt and sweat and heat and sex. And uh, <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was just so much fun. Um,
2: I've got, I, I have a few uh, really favorite scenes. I mean, my current favorite is the, um, those, those scenes with Crystal and Felix. Um, I just, uh, you know, that that dynamic uh, of um, finding a clone and choosing not to um, enlighten them because of, you know, just that well, however bad their life is, this one's way worse. That decision to not tell someone was always a concept that we wanted to do. And then to pull it off this year and those, like, Jordan was so awesome. He's so... I loved his... I loved straight Jordan. <laughs> and, uh, uh... Um, just that... So, you, I just feel like, like, in the seven minutes of screen time that Crystal had, I, I just feel like we really know her. And, uh, so I really like that little... those pieces of scenes. And then my other, like, a very quiet scene that I, uh, that I just love is, um... Kasima uh, and Sarah talk about Buckminster Fuller, if you remember that one and when and, and they 're in bed um, and they have that sort of metaphysical conversation while they 're holding hands i I loved that scene
0: that was very touching
2: that was it a c- and I knew I wanted to do that scene. I kept trying to stick it in the first episode in the third episode, yeah. and I was like it goes in the last one that.
0: This only makes sense. Paul's exit was also fantastic. That scene, all the stuff that he was doing in the like the last two episodes, up to the explosion, and that last scene of the with, with the this destroying all the everything uh, was awesome too. I really enjoyed his work on that. I was like, "Wow, Dylan, you're blowing me away here."
1: Now, Graham, you are in the presence of the Clone Club here. Woo! Yeah, the Clone Club can be trusted, right? You can all be trusted. Yes. If he told you a secret, you would keep it. Yeah. Okay. See, they agreed. Who's the spy?
2: <laughs>
1: Who's the spy? Who's the mole within Lita?
2: Oh, you'll ha- I can't, I can't spill that. They can
1: be trusted. But
2: I can, I, you can trust that that answer will come very soon.
1: It, it feels like Shay is kind of a red herring.
2: Oh, no, she's too... Dangerous. No, she's got blonde hair. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm the spy, yes. <laughs> More fan questions? Hey, right here. I have a question about the science. So both from the initial um, first episode, like, did you get consultants, did you just, sort of just write into the script and then figure it
2: out later? And how does that fall Um yeah, we have uh, we have a science consultant, um, my old friend Kasima Herter, who is the real Kasima. Um, and so,
0: th- when not actually a clone, for the record, that I know of.
2: As soon as John and I knew that we were, we got a chance to develop the show. Um, she's the first person I went to because she's like an old friend and and someone who's like you know those people in your life that you're just like. I just want to hang out with that mind um, she 's a historian of science, and uh, so she w- I went to her right away, and she just like immediately got totally like she 's very Cosima. she got all hand wavy and like, oh my god that 's so cool, and don 't you realize you 're playing with a feminist bomb and blah, blah, blah you know and, and, and all of this stuff so, so not just science from Cosima. she has a very broad understanding of um, just a literary and, and a pop culture understanding too so um, she really likes to apply that stuff in the real world so she is consults with us every year this year she's um, in the writer's room which is great um, we've just started we're like two weeks into the season four writer's room um, so she's super integral and then Chris Roberts again who co-wrote this one he's like our go to science nerd among the writers so when Kasim is not around it's like Everybody just goes, Chris. And he goes, hmm, kruzfeld Jacobs disease. Prions, misfolding. Blah, blah, blah.
0: I, this is a fun side story. I, Chris lives in my neighborhood, and I was walking down the street one day, and I ran into him and his wife pushing their newborn baby in a stroller, and they were both wearing matching Star Trek T-shirts. <laughs> like, like, just like as if they were like the science officer and the security guard. It was just like the badge. And then I was like, you guys are dressed the same. Is this what parenthood does? And they looked at each other, and they had no idea that they had done that. They're like, oh, oh, I guess we are. So, yeah, definitely a quality nerd.
1: Now, uh, the end of this episode has Rachel uh, getting a surgery. Would you say that Rachel is uh, back on top now? Is she very much a threat in these final two episodes?
2: Um, uh, I, Rachel is back, for sure. Um, uh, and I know that like there's, like, Team Rachel out there. They've had a real rough go this season. <laughs> but... Uh, um, uh, it's 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 uh, it's it's a good it's it's a twisty tale, Rachel's tale, this season, and it's not quite done.
1: Okay. Uh, another question, all the way up there in the back.
2: Yeah, good question because it's like one of the tough really really tough things about um, a, mi- a television mystery that uh so you know we've always had an end point in mind and then the the question becomes you know should we get to that end point this season and figure out how to sort of reboot or or rejig it the other one or can we you know or 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 do we make this season another t- step towards our end goal? And, you know, there's a certain amount of, of faith that's involved. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, if you're on the bubble, that really gets to be a super difficult decision. But we feel like we have a lot of support. We've had a lot of support from space and BBC America and, um, and now from AMC. So uh, I think we're moving forward with more confidence now in terms of, you know, making those
0: decisions. Don't jinx us.
2: Yeah, it's true. Um, So, uh, yeah. Did that answer
1: it? I'd be remiss if I didn't ask a Casima and Delphine question. Uh, there there have been a couple moments with them this season, uh, but is Delphine a little too gone? Has she gone a little too evil for there to be hope for this this couple?
0: I don't know. You
2: saw that kiss.
0: <laughs> yeah, but then, like, after that, she fires her. Like, come on, you're tearing <laughs> me apart here. And I know what happens, but, man. Yeah. Yeah,
2: sorry about that, but you know sh- sh- ships are made to be sunk <laughs> no i'm kidding
0: uh some ships sink um, we're uh, just all mystery up here <laughs> we're not you're not getting anything from us uh, yeah My but gosh. hey i like like i said earlier we wrote
2: that part for Evelyn and we we love her and uh you know, a lot of the decisions around these characters, um, now that we all know each other and work so well, we discuss them with, with Evelyn and, and with Tatjana, and it's like, you know, the actors want to press for the drama too. So, you know, they, they, ship, they ship themselves <laughs> as, well as, as well as they just want, you know, the, the, the fire more fiery the better. Um, that's kind of, kind of the rule um, when it comes to ships. And I think shippers all know that.
1: <laughs> uh, I think we have time for one more fan question, because then I want to ask about the finale. Uh, how about right down here? just curious to know, with BBC's involvement, did that dictate some of the British
2: characters? Or was that already written in terms of uh to all that Um, Interesting question. And yes, um, when BBC America... Uh, brought John and I to New York and sat us down and said, um, we're going to make your show and we want to put you on on Saturday nights after Doctor Who. And John and I were doing like this (laughs) at the table. (laughs) Uh, um, uh, Perry Simon, who was the the head of um, BBCA at the time, um, gave us that great news and then kind of like, and and then sort of soft-pedaled in, you know, we are the uh, American... N- network with the british accent so do you think that there's a character uh, somewhere in there that could be british um and it it took john and i the elevator ride going down to go that would be awesome um that helps them be outsiders it makes it makes felix and and uh, jordan totally distinct um i'm a huge british tv and film fan so i was totally up for uh accents, you know. Um, and so it, it was a it was like not a deal breaker at all. It was actually a very positive uh, twist to um, what we had in mind, which was they were, you know, North, Amer- North American street kids, basically.
1: Now, uh, we know in the penultimate you guys are heading to London. Uh, so what can you sort of tell us about these last two episodes? You've left quite a few characters kind of in a little bit perilous places. Donnie just got his <laughs> Butt kicked. And- I'm, I'm
0: just having a nap on the floor of Bubbles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, Kasim 's fate obviously still up in the air. Rachel coming back as a threat. Can you just sort of maybe set the scene for us in these final two episodes?
2: Did, was, did the
0: next on play?
2: No? You guys got to so- get
1: online
0: and watch that.
2: Okay, well, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not spoiling anything because it's in the next on. Um, but you may or may not know that Maria Doyle Kennedy is an amazing musician and singer-songwriter. And Mrs. S rocks out next week, uh, which is which is really cool um, because you know she's become she's such an awesome woman and has become a great friend of ours. Um, and but her 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 music career and her, and her film career are, are and TV career are very separate. And I think I think like her creative heart lies in music, and she has not she has not um, mm-hmm. performed. On film since the commitments, so it was. Um, you know, I just I, I I went to her and I was like, "What do you think about this?" And and we just you know had to see if she
0: if that was if she wanted to cross those creative lines. Because we've had a few late night jam sessions, we know she's up for some singing on some level. Few people know that Christian Brun is a killer mandolin player. <laughs> I don't know about killer. <laughs>
1: Uh, There's another scene in the next on with uh, Donnie and Helena.
0: Yeah, there's some more hijinks there. We haven't finished exploring that relationship yet.
1: Uh, The scene was kind of bloody. Yeah. (laughs) What did she do?
0: Donnie's world is in upheaval right now. (laughs) He's not doing too well with the Portuguese mafia. He almost lost his nose. He might have crapped his pants (laughs) in the garage. Um, And then, of course, uh, the fallout with Jage. I'm not going to call him Jage. It's Jason. Um, Kellerman. Kellerman. So, yeah. Donnie's in a rough spot right now. He needs a little help. And Helena's the one to do it.
1: And if you could describe the actual finale in one word, what would it be?
2: Um... You got
0: one? Everybody dies. That's two words. (laughs) and not true. Or is it? (laughs) I think it's just... (laughs) It's just just a series of Fs. It's, yeah. It's air and Fs.
1: Well, thank you all for getting up very early this morning. Thanks, Clone
0: Club. You guys are awesome. And thanks, Austin. Thanks, guys. ATX, you guys rock.
1: Thank you guys so much for this. We really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, everyone.